crossroads of empires, battleground of the ages, city of peace and of war. This is Jerusalem, where archaeology uncovers the empires of yesterday, where prophecy decodes the headlines of today. This is where history and prophecy come alive. This is Watch Jerusalem. Hello and welcome to Watch Jerusalem. I'm Brent Nachtigal. I'm here in Jerusalem, Israel. For today's program, we'll be talking about archaeology again, just because it is the summer season over here and archaeological discovery it seems uh, is taking place every single day or every single week. During the summer is when you have the, the normal six-week, four-week, eight-week excavations at these different sites, these ongoing sites. That's about all they excavate all year and then spend the rest of the year uh, writing up the reports, looking over those discoveries and findings. And there were a couple of excavations reporting on, or at least the, some of the headlines from their excavations of the past season, made it to the press. The first of those regards Chatzor. This is a, a city in the north of Israel, the largest city actually from the Canaanite period. It's absolutely massive. This is one of the cities that Joshua burnt down, and it was called the Head of the Kingdoms, and features in the in the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter eleven, perhaps. Uh, is coming to mind, uh, 11 verse 13. Let's go and just see that, Joshua 11 and verse 13. This city of Chatzor is, uh, or has been excavated a lot over the past, let's say 30 years or so. Amnon Bentor, he has been excavating that for a long time. He has several assistants that come and help him now. Uh, I was up at Chatzor last week, week and a half ago, and saw these excavations in progress. Yes, here we go. Joshua 11, verse 13, it says, But as for the cities that stood in their strength, that is, on their mounds, or tell, uh, that the Hebrew word there for stood in their strength is just this tell word that we always talk about, tell Hatzor, tell Asafi, as we'll talk about today, just means this hill uh, that the cities anciently were built upon, and then as they're destroyed uh, and a new city built on top of them, this tell, this city, this mound keeps on growing up. And this verse here says, but as for the cities that stood in their strength, Israel burned none of them, saved Chatzor only, did Joshua burn. And so a lot of this city, of the upper city, has been excavated, and most of the lower city hasn't been excavated. It's absolutely massive. You drive around it in a car if you're heading from the north of Israel towards the Canera to the Sea of Galilee, you'll have to pass. The road actually diverts around this, around the northern part of this ancient tell. And if you look to the left, uh, as you're driving past, you'll see this hill, and it looks artificial because of it's just uh, the shape of it. And just to real recognize that to the left of the road there, on this hill would be an ancient city from 3,000 years ago, 3,500 years ago. And so excavations were in in uh, underway last week. I don't know when whether they're finished or not. But there's a report in the Times of Israel this week about this beautiful staircase that's been discovered uh, from 3,500 years ago. So from this city, it seems that Joshua would have confronted. It's absolutely beautiful. The stairs look modern <laughs> uh, because they're so well crafted. And there's a nice picture of it here in this article. Anyway, I'll leave a link to that. Uh, story for you in the show notes of today's program if you want to go uh, and get some more details about that. I'm looking forward to the actual study that comes out about that uh, to read more details. It's hard from these original or from these press reports that come out and the reporting on it to get an accurate picture of what has been discovered, what is the the problems with the discovery, at least the dating wise. But nevertheless, 
uh, it does look absolutely beautiful, and you can you can see that um, for yourself through this article today. Though I wanted to talk about another discovery that was that's been reported in the press over here. Haaretz has a really good article about it by Ariel David. Uh, an author that's writes one of their archaeological authors, and also Amanda Borshall Dan has a piece in Times of Israel. Jerusalem Post has a piece as well, and it's discussing um, something that would have been familiar to you if you were following the blog, the Telesafi blog. This is biblical Gath or Gat, uh, the city that that Goliath was from. There's Ariel Meir, I think is his name, uh, the doctor that's been, the the archaeologist, Professor Meir, that's been um, leading this excavation for almost two decades, I believe, every single summer. So he's very well versed with the site, knows infinitely more than me about the site. And so I'm just going to base my discussion today off his quotes and uh, some of the reporting that's coming out. He referenced this article by Ariel David in on the blog uh, for the for the for the excavation itself, which is written by him, it seems, and so if he's getting if he gives the endorsement to this article, I take it that most of it uh, does seem to be correct. But anyhow, if you've been following this blog over the past few weeks, you it's like it's like you're you're part of the discovery process, which is pretty amazing because you could read about these new fortifications or, or these new buildings, new structures that have been discovered. Uh, at El Safi, as they're as they're coming up, and you read about the, the the excitement of their discoveries of these massive walls and these huge buildings with huge stones underneath what they thought was the biggest city from Gath's time, they're finding now a larger city, and that larger city, it seems, as in terms of the dating of it, was the city that Goliath was from. Now. Up until this point, they haven't found much from Iron One. This Iron One to Iron Two period is is what we talk about most. Well, Iron One traditionally ends with around at around a thousand BC, the same time that David conquered Jerusalem, around that same period, and that is the traditional dating of Iron One's end and Iron Two's beginning. And of course, we give them these ages because you know the the excavations on the excavations, the pottery or the finds themselves don't have dates attached to them. But the the styles of the pottery changes over time, and so the group of styles attached to Iron One are different to the groups of styles that are attached to Iron Two. But where the end of Iron One begins and Iron Two begins, or where a certain pottery type ends, or or really a certain t- pottery type begins, it's hard to know. It's on a sliding scale. You have to kind of different archaeologists would put it in a different with a different date to it. Now, traditionally, the change in the culture, the material culture to Iron 2A or to Iron 2 from Iron 1 has been David. David's rule and then Solomon's that comes after. There is a, a different pot, there are different pottery types, a different material culture is starting to take over. And so putting this, finding the accurate date for the start of Iron 2 and the end of Iron 1 is extremely important in this debate over King David. Because if you're going to prove that David built stuff or David destroyed things or Solomon did, you want you're going to have to find the 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 pottery from his period. Now, which pottery came from his period? Was it Iron One, which is typically, if you're talking about the highlands of Judea, this area, and and, and even into the north of Israel, this elevated area that overlooks the coastal plain towards Philistine territories, Iron One settlements aren't that impressive. And they they don't really have fortifications, city walls around them. They they are smaller 
uh, settlements. And then you get to Iron Two, and you get this explosion of fortifica- uh, fortified cities, both in Judah and in um, and in the north and Israel. And so people came along. Uh, biblical minimalists, as they're as they're known, and they decided to say, contrary to what was the traditional dating of the start of Iron Two, when you started to see these monumental buildings, that um, those the period of David didn't belong to that. David belonged to the Iron One culture, the smaller culture, and so did Solomon. It was only a hundred years after, or eighty years after uh, David is is supposed to have become king, that we have this growth uh, in the fortified uh, cities uh, on the highlands. But excavations over the past 20 years, or 15 years mainly, well, actually less than that, 10 years now, going back to Kirbet Kayafa, um, have kind of blown that argument to smithereens. The traditional dating is right. Iron II does begin. The monumental build, building does begin around David's time. And we are just putting together right now this book uh, on David and Solomon and the archaeological proof for their period. And it is really impressive and encouraging, really. To look at what has been unearthed in, let's say, the past 15 years relating to David's time and Solomon's time, because um, there is proof for it. There is there is proof for it. Now, this city of Gath, this is mentioned a lot in the Bible. It's one of the five major Philistine cities that are there on the coast and the coast of Israel, southeast, southwest coast. And it looks like Gath was probably the biggest, uh, going back to the Iron One period. Now, Iron One here, you do have a massive city, which makes sense, right? If we're going to look at the Bible and look at the chronology of the Bible and events that take place during Saul's reign, during the reign of uh, even the early part of King David, before he's king, who's he fighting? He's fighting the Philistines. He's there, mano a mano, fighting against Goliath, this giant. And that's belittled, obviously, uh, and even in uh, the historical accuracy is belittled all over the place um, about Goliath. But nevertheless, that was Iron One. This this rule of King Saul was Iron One. Israel was not impressive at this point, but the Philistines were impressive at this time. And they had, over time, even before David came along, they had really trounced the Israelites in battle after battle. Uh, they had taken the Ark of the Covenant. They had defeated Saul, as we'll get to. And so it makes sense to find a massive Iron One city down here amongst the Philistines, but not up on the highlands. Iron Two, David comes along. That's when we start to get cities. That's when we start in Solomon's reign specifically. David wasn't a huge builder, as the Bible brings out. So it makes sense that if you're talking about the highland cities, that that they would be growing or have these fortifications around Solomon's time. That's what the Bible says, not David. Although David did start the Renaissance in the culture, the physical culture, and did build some fortifications. And the ones that have been uncovered, or at least the one that has been uncovered, is or is on the, the lowlands just before you get to the Philistine plain. The one fortified city that we know about, uh, Kibat Kayafa, that that is definitely from David's time. It's on the coast, and who's it? Or why is it built there? It's because the Philistines are there, and they're big, as proven uh, by this excavation. And so it makes sense if David's going to build a fortification. It's on this borderland between them and the Philistines. Okay, that's that's a lot of background, but here we are. We're going to go through mainly this Haaretz piece because it's pretty good and it offers the most detail today. And then I will quote a little bit, and we'll talk about the biblical connections to these things as well. But basically, what they've found now is the city 
from uh, Goliath's time and before. They don't know when this city was built, but they know it was massive during the time that Goliath was said to exist. During the time that David is fighting Goliath, this is the city that existed at Gath. And of course, Goliath was from Gath. As, it, as the Bible talks about, and even at the site of Gath, you have uh, a couple hundred years or 150 years after, uh, da- after David and Goliath, you have similar names existing at that time. And so Goliath's name hasn't been found, but variations of his name have been found at the specific site uh, as well. This article is entitled, Goliath's True Hometown Found, Lost 3,000-Year-Old Philistine City Emerges Beneath Gath. And so remember, as I was talking about before from this, that scripture in Joshua chapter 11 and verse 13 that talks about the cities that stood, stood still in their strength or on their mounds, you have numerous cities built one on top of the other. And so it's saying there's a 3,000-year-old Philistine city emerging beneath Gath. It means beneath the previous Gath city. And so up to this point, they've been excavating for decades here and mainly uncovering the city that was built in Iron 2A, so in Iron 2, so after David's come around, um, but it looks like the beginning of that were was around uh, the middle part of Iron 2A, let's put it that way, uh, around the, the early 900s, and the Bible has a reason for that as well, as we'll get to. But that's what they've been uncovering so far. A really large city that starts in the early 900s being constructed in Gath, and so for the past two decades... That's what we've been looking at, and that's been very impressive for sure. And the Bible has lots to say about that also, or some to say about that also, and how it was destroyed, which matches up to the archaeological evidence as well. But we haven't seen the the city of Goliath, the Gathite city, the large city that would have been very impressive, that would have been the hometown of of uh, Goliath, the, the giant, of course, but also the people behind him, the army behind him. The armies that probably could have wiped off Israel if, if they really wanted to. Of course, that wasn't God's plan, but they did exert their strength over Israel, having garrisons up on the highlands, Bethlehem, just south of Jerusalem, before Jerusalem was conquered at this point, of course. But they had a garrison up there in Gibeon. They had a garrison on the highlands also. Uh, they also ensured that Israel was not able to um, have a iron industry in the sense of sharpening their own tools. They had the Israelites, if the farmer wanted to sharpen his tool before he, he his sickle, uh, before he took in his grain harvest, he had to go down to Philistine territories to get it sharpened because the Philistines outlawed that in on the highlands. That's how powerful they were. At this time, at this time where, that this city of Gath uh, was in its real heyday. Here we go with this article. It says this, Archaeologists excavating the ancient Philistine city of Gath have uncovered massive 3,000-year-old fortifications of a size unprecedented for their time and place. The discovery could help explain why the Bible names this town as a home to giants, the researchers say. So this... It's it's absolutely amazing. I do not want to belittle this discovery at all, but everyone has this hook. Everyone has this hook that, oh, we're finding Gath and it's huge. And so who built this huge city? It must have been a giant. And this is the, 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 the germ for the, or the very beginning for the Goliath story. It's because the city was so big and people later when they were writing about the Bible saw the massive city and decided, huh, only a giant could move those stones. And so Goliath is born. Anyhow, it's a news peg. 
And so it's put there in the, in the opening paragraphs. But let's talk about the actual ruins themselves, or at least the process of discovery. Again, unfortunately, I think it's I think this, the Gath seasons are meant to end next year, which I find has to be overturned in some fashion, <laughs> just because if they're starting to find this massive city, which would be probably the largest city of its of its for the period uh, in the whole Levant or close to it. You'd think they'd keep on excavating, if at all possible. Of course, finances and things um, do get in the way of further research. Anyway, we'll see if this is the the final season. So they haven't fully excavated this city, obviously. Um, they're just only just uncovering some of the fortifications from this early uh, earlier city. The monumental ruins emerged in recent months beneath the remains of a later and already well-explored layer of the Philistine settlement, indicating that researchers have stumbled upon an older city that was partially or completely built over the subsequent generations. If Goliath did exist, his hometown would apparently have been this earlier city, not the one under archaeological investigation for decades. So let's just let's just take a little a little moment to talk about this. What really has just been uncovered? We have the city that was uncovered, not just of Goliath, but the city of David's time. City of David's time. Last week, we talked, was it last week or the week before? Two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, we talked about the potential side of biblical Ziklag that was discovered, regardless of it's Ziklag or not. We talked about how this was another Davidic era city that was discovered. Didn't think it existed. It existed. We've got a nice layer from David's time. It matches the pottery from Caiapha, and it matches the biblical description of Ziklag, at least. And so we have another city from David's time. And here, what they're saying is, we have just found the city from Goliath's time. But if you read the Bible... The city from Goliath's time doesn't experience a a destruction before David comes along. This is the same city that David goes to himself. And the same city that Achish would be from as well, David's friend. This is the same city that David uh, was scared, uh, that actually ran from Saul to this city for a while. And he feigned himself as being a madman. Took place at this city. At this, um, in this town that's being uncovered right now. And so we have just discovered, or we haven't discovered it, they've discovered it, and congratulations to them, but we have another Davidic-era city that's being uncovered in, I mean, this summer. It wasn't uncovered. They've been digging at Gath for decades. Didn't have a Davidic-era city. Now we're uncovering it. Well, they're uncovering it. The timing of this is absolutely amazing. And it's like, I mean, I just got an email from from Christopher Eames, and uh, he's co-writing this book as well and um this was came through what did it come through half an hour ago and we're we're trying to put together this book and we're writing up the archaeological evidence for david's time and he said this it might be cool to have a little note in the book about how much continues to be uncovered something along the lines of during the writing of this book this this and this was uncovered and had to be changed or added gath Possibly Ziklag, the Philistine DNA from Crete, Rehoboam's Lachish, and all this other. <laughs> so there's been a lot that we've um, that we're probably going to have to add to the book, or just say, let's just wait a little bit. There's not all the evidence. Evidence isn't out yet. Israel has been an excavated place for so long, and yet so much evidence and so much um, uh, proof, really, from David's time still under the under the under the ground. Of course, if you've listened to this program for any length of time, you understand that, you know, I do believe David is a historical figure, as does um, 
the excavator, Professor Aramier of, of, and I apologize if I'm, if I'm not getting that name correctly, of Baralan University. Um, he believes David's a historical figure as well. And so, I mean, that we are reporting and trying to just, trying to just show to the public uh, the evidence of King David and Solomon's time, because that is the period that's coming under attack uh, over the past 20 years, and yet evidence, it seems, is coming out of the ground to show it. So here is another Davidic-era city that has been discovered. The article continues, The discovery suggests that Gath was at the peak of its power much earlier than previously thought. Putting its heyday around the time when the city features heavily in the biblical narrative as a fierce rival of the early Israelites, as well as the hometown of Goliath and other outside, outsized biblical warriors. So I love this. I love it when this discovery suggests that Gath was at the peak of its power much earlier than previously thought. Well, previously thought to the excavators, of course, previously thought to people that had excavated Gath previously thought to somebody that had been reading, you know, the history in the Bible? Probably not. I mean, it makes sense, right? It makes sense to have, you know, the city that features heavily in the biblical narrative as the fierce rival of the early Israelites to be the big one. And then once Israel under David takes over the Philistines, as he did, and doesn't kill them, lets them live, and lets them live there. And, and, and Israelites don't go down there and, and start, you know, living in Philistine territories in mass. The Philistines were allowed to stay there. Um, but in terms of, you know, a massive size, you, you think that, that David and Solomon and Rehoboam, the Bible talks about Rehoboam building up this city. Do you think they would have liked a city with absolutely massive fortifications? Um, during when, if it's, if it's, if it's a known uh, vassal state that doesn't like Israel necessarily, they're probably not going to allow that. But here we are 150 years earlier than that. Makes sense. They're going to have big walls. Quoting Aramir now, mayor, I've been digging here for 23 years and this place still manages to surprise me. Says Aramir, professor of archaeology at Baralan University who leads the expedition in Gath. Quote, all along we had this older giant city that was hiding just a meter under the city we were digging. It was there. It was hiding. We've dug here for 23 years, or he has, and it was just, and here we are, season 23, and we're finally finding the huge city that's underneath. Amazing. Amazing timing. Located in the, in the southern Israel, in southern Israel, the site is known today as Tel Asafi, as the name suggests, it is a tell, a mound, largely made up of the stratified ruins of multiple sediments left over by millennia of human habitation. talks about here that this city has been, uh, it, or a lot of remains from different periods have been found as well at this, at this location. I'll just skip down. It says this, archaeologists have been digging Philistine Gath for decades, uncovering temples, mud brick houses, and massive oil presses that paint the picture of the bustling city Sprawling over 50 hectares with a population of around five to 10,000. Quote, this was the largest Philistine city and probably one of the largest in the Iron Age Levant, Mayor says. And then he says this, those Philistine remains, oh, this is the article now, those Philistine remains were dated to a period called the Iron 2A, roughly from the end of the 10th century BCE. So just interesting here. <laughs> They're saying that, Oh, Iron 2A begins at the end of the 10th century BCE. 
Well, it does if you're Israel Finkelstein, but it doesn't if you're a traditional, if you believe in the traditional dating of Iron 2A. It actually begins at the start. That doesn't mean that, that we have to see, uh, in Gath at least, it makes sense to for the Iron 2A city to begin uh, during, Rehobo- during Rehoboam's time. That would make sense. And there to be a smooth transition, smoothest transition through David's reign, I would say. Nevertheless, we'll move on. Uh, roughly from the end of the 10th century BCE to the 9th century BCE, when the city was destroyed in a conflagration fire, uh, probably in the conquest of the area by the Aramean King Haziel around 830 BCE, an event recorded in the Bible. Gath never recovered from that blow. It was later rebuilt as a small Judean settlement, but was destroyed again by the Assyrians at the end of the 8th century BCE. Until now, researchers thought that Philistine Gath flourished mainly during that fairly brief window between the late 10th century, or let's say Rehoboam's time, and Haziel's arrival, even though that period is a bit later than most of the biblical stories in which the city features. Quote, Um... Mayor now. Up until now, we thought that the city from the Iron 2A, so when it says Iron 2A, don't think it's meaning David. It's not. It's meaning later or after than that, a later part of the Iron 2A. That was one destroyed. Up until now, we thought that the city from the Iron 2A, the one that was destroyed by Haziel, was the largest and most important in Gath. This year, we got a different story. We got a different story. And so they've started to discover this. And if we go to what the Bible says about Gath, I've just got a couple of passages here to show you how Gath is featured in the biblical narrative. Before this city that they've mainly been excavated, the earlier city, um, you can read First uh, Samuel 17. That's obviously, that's talking about David and Goliath. Goliath was from Gath. It says this, verse 4, And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath, of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. So everybody laughs about that. They laugh about this, this, this giant, and they're like, we haven't found any giants in Gath yet. Well, if you read the biblical story, you know that this man belonged to the Philistines. He was their champion, and so were some of the other giants. But the local Gathites, or Gittites, as they're called in the Bible, they weren't tall. Not everyone from Gath was tall. It's just a family, probably, a family of giants. There was some of the children of Goliath. They were also tall. So this wasn't, uh, if you read what the Bible says, we're not talking about, it's not like they were inventing this group of mammoth people. Just a few, just a few. And one of their giant, one of their uh, champions was going out to fight and calling upon the Israelites to fight. This was under King Saul sometime probably around uh, 1020 BCE, around there. Um, just like the tradition of, you know, the, the, the uh, Greek tradition stipulates, and we know that DNA evidence has come out, of course. The Bible talks about how the Philistines weren't locals. They did come in. They were imports from uh, southern, the southern Mediterranean, Crete, Greece. And so they're bringing their tradition of fighting uh, against the Israelites. And that's what you see in David and Goliath. Hey, that it's really interesting, isn't it, that that feature was added to the, to the biblical narrative without just making it up, that you have Goliath, one man, not an army fighting an army, but one man coming out to fight. And that's, you know, fits in with the Bible. Anyhow, a bit after that, you have David on the run from Saul, probably around 1012 BC, perhaps, I don't know, 10 years after that, that duel uh, with Goliath. This is 1 Samuel 21. 
And this is what it says there. 1 Samuel 21, verse 10 to 15. And David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath, or king of Gat. So Achish was a king there. And David's on the run from Saul and he's seeking refuge. And the servants of Achish said unto him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing one to another of him and dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? And David laid up these words in his heart, and he was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And he changed his behavior before him and feigned himself mad in their hands and scrabbled on the, scrabbled on the door of the gate and let his spittle fall upon his beard. Then Achish said unto his servant, Lo, you see this man is mad. Wherefore then have you brought him to me? Have I need of madmen? that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come in unto my house or into my house? And so there was David before he was king, when he was on the run, coming to this very city, the very city that's just been uncovered or starting to be uncovered, the Iron One city that would have continued. This is still Iron One culture right now when David arrives there. Then shortly thereafter, probably about the year that David, uh, that King Saul dies, 1007 BCE, around then, 1 Samuel, verse, uh, 1 Samuel 27, uh, we have David actually dwelling in, in, in Gath uh, with his huge party, 600 men that were with him, and his couple of his wives as well. He was, this is verse, what verse 5 says. Again, this is the, talking about the city that was just discovered at Gath. And David said unto Achish, if I have found grace in your eyes, let them give me some place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. So he's at Gath, and he's asking Ahish for a place. I'm too big for you. Let me find another place where I can live. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? Notice that. Why should I dwell in the royal city? That's what they're just finding, this royal city of Gath. Then Ahish gave him Ziklag that day, wherefore Ziklag pertains unto the kings of Judah unto this day. And the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was a full year and four months. And so he goes over to Ziklag from there. You can also read, once David becomes king, in 1 Chronicles 18 and verse 1, it says this, and this is probably around 990 BC. It says, now after this, it came to pass that David smote the Philistines and subdued them and took Gath and her towns out of the hands of the Philistines. And so it's really interesting here, the, the verbiage, because it talks about David finally defeating the Philistines, but it doesn't talk about all the Philistines being killed. It doesn't talk about their cities being burned. It talks about uh, David taking Gath and her towns out of the hands of the Philistines, meaning we're in control now. And so, you know, there might there's probably not a destruction. I don't know. Uh, that's It's not in the reporting. Is there a huge destruction uh, of this Iron One city, or is it that some people continued to rule there for a while, uh, and then it was left for a while, and then you have the the later Iron 2A city. Um, I don't know. Uh, that would be one question to ask, this transition between Iron 1 and Iron 2, 2A. No doubt that'll be what everybody is interested in as time goes on. But nevertheless, you have David eventually living, uh, ruling over this area. The Philistines, they didn't, the Israelites didn't come down there in mass and boot out the Philistines and live there and bring their culture. The Philistine culture likely continued there, the material culture, the pottery and such, um, the things that we use for dating. They likely continued in this location. And so you're probably not going to see an immediate transition to Judahite, Israelite, um, 
pottery and styles at this time of David's reign, as you would have in the kingdom of Israel and Judah, uh, but ruling by under da- uh, which is now under David's rule. So that might be the reason why there is a continuation. Okay, let's go over now back to this article and read what it talks about. Here, it says this, Over the summer's digging campaign, which ended last week, archaeologists decided to investigate the foundations of large terraces located in Gath's lower city, which was only inhabited during the Iron Age. The dig revealed that those terraces were resting on massive fortifications and larger buildings made of huge stone boulders and fired bricks, a method that makes them stronger than traditional sun-dried mud bricks. In some areas, these walls are four meters thick or more. And the pottery associated with them dates to the early Iron Age, to the 11th century BCE or possibly earlier. So around Saul's time, possibly earlier. We don't know. They probably haven't, they probably haven't reached the bottom of them yet. So you don't know when they were uh, originally, originally made, originally constructed. No comparably, no comparable, no comparably colossal structures are known in the rest of the Levant or this area from um, the Philistine territories up through Lebanon uh, from this period or even from the later incarnation of the Philistines Gath. Whatever it is, quote Mayor, it is enormous. It's as if the site of Gath in the early Iron Age dwarfed the later city. These monumental structures dovetail with the image of Gath, the article says, as a major regional power already in the early Iron Age, a picture that can be invinced from the Bible and the archaeological evidence in the surrounding region. The jury is still out on how much historical truth there is to the biblical stories of the great monarchy ruled by Saul, David, and Solomon. Well, you know, the Bible doesn't really talk about a great, huge monarchy ruled by Saul. It does about David and Solomon. But if an Israelite leader named David really did seek refuge in Gath from the jealous King Saul then the walls recently uncovered there would have been the ones he saw as he entered the city. Again, here we are, 2019, another Davidic era city discovered. Then it goes on to talk about more uh, about Goliath and the tradition of him being a giant and how that worked its way into the Bible. An inscription found on a potsherd at Tel Asafi and dated to the 9th century BCE, more than a century after David's times. So this is from the newer city that would have uh, that they would have been have been excavating for the past 20 years. Does mention names that are etymologically similar to Goliath's, but the so-called Goliath shirt only proves that this may have been, may have indeed been a common Philistine name. Not that there was a f- famous champion of this name who went mano a mano with David t- at the turn of the 11th century BCE, or that this warrior was unusually sized. So he's saying, but hey, where else have we found this name? Not too many sites were found in Philistine territories, though, just a couple hundred years or a hundred years after David, the name very similar to Goliath. By the way, it says in this article, Goliath is far from the only Hulk to populate the pages of the Hebrew holy text. The Bible is pretty adamant that all kinds of mysterious, gigantic people, Rephaim or Anakim and others, used to walk the earth and their last descendants could be found among the Philistines, particularly at Gath. Joshua 11 verse 22 says this, There were no Anakim or giants left in the land of the sons of Israel, only in Gath. Gaza, sorry, and in Gath and Ashdod, some remained. So... Um, that's what the Bible says. Then it writes this. Many biblical scholars today are convinced that the so-called Deuteron- Deuteronomistic history 
the books of Deuteronomy, from Deuteronomy through Kings, was put in writing centuries after most of the events it describes, probably in the late 7th century BCE, under the Judahite king Josiah. So this is common, uh, common perception. The earliest parts of the Bible, if you're talking about the book of Kings, uh, if you're talking about even the book of Deuteronomy, Joshua's Judges, that was all written at the very earliest time under King Josiah. That is the standpoint that they're coming from. So the story of the early Israelites is best described as a collection of previous traditions, oral and written ancient myths, and deep historical memories often adapted to fit the ideological and theological purpose of its authors. And where do Goliath and the other giants fit in? This jumble of myth, tradition, and history? Many of the biblical texts must be understood as allegory, notes Mayer. We have, been ex we have excavated several tombs in Gath, and we definitely haven't found the bones of particularly large people. So what is the origin of the tradition of the giants lived here? Again, an, an understanding of the Bible, reading the biblical text, and I'm sure, you know, I'm not trying to belittle this man at all. I'm sure he knows it quite well. Um, it certainly does. He would have poured over the text to understand more about this city, if the what the Bible says about it. But the Bible does not say that the population at Gath or the Philistines were all giants. And so to say this, that, you know, we've excavated several tombs at Gath and we haven't found a, a big one yet. We haven't found bones of particularly large people. So we can't really be sure giants had lived here. Well, until this season... Until 23 years in, you hadn't discovered the city from Goliath's time either. <laughs> and there it is. And there it is. Anyway, just because you haven't found it yet doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And for one, what does the Bible say? Only a few giants. Not a lot of giants. And so the chances, even if you are excavating the city of, of Goliath's time and you're excavating tombs, again, you haven't even excavated tombs from this period. And by the time you get to the time of Rehoboam and thereafter, pretty sure all the giants have died out. That's what the Bible says. So if you're actually excavating in a tomb from the 9th century in Gath, and you find a giant, that might be actually proof against the Bible, not for it. It continues here. I'll just read this, final, this quote again because it, it flows on. We have excavated several tombs in Gath, and we definitely haven't found the bones of particularly large people. So what's the origin of that tradition that the giants lived here? The answer, the archaeologist theorizes, may lie in the monumental scale of the newly emerged city from the early Iron Age. We could have inspired, we could have, which could have inspired stories about proportionally large inhabitants even long after Philistine Gath was no more. We know that after Haziel destroyed the city, its ruins were still known and impressive enough to mention in the book of Amos, which is thought to have originated in the 8th century BCE, about a century after the Aramean conquest. In this text, the prophet Amos holds up the description of Gath as an example of hubris punished by God uh, and a warning of impending doom for the prideful leaders of the Israelites. You can see that in Amos verse 6, and indeed he does. The ruins of, not, not the original ruins though, only the ruins of the 8th century of the 9th century city, they were the ones that Amos was referencing. If they inspired pessimistic prophecies, those monumental remains may have also been the source of other traditions. Now, notice this. this. If there were enormous ruins sitting around, that's the best way to get stories about giants started, he says. 
Such a link is not unusual in the ancient world, he notes. The classical Greeks, for example, looked at the remains of massive centuries-old fortifications at Mycenae and other Bronze Age sites uh, and called them Cyclopean walls, believing that only giants like the mythical Cyclops could lift such huge blocks of stone. Many of the biblical stories that feature unusually large people are connected to the conquest of Canaan by Joshua and the Israelites, notes Thomas Romer, a renowned expert in the Hebrew Bible at Collège de France and the University of Lausanne. <laughs> so to get their quote about you know biblical historical accuracy, they pick one of the bi- biggest biblical minimalists out there to try and get a, a quote, which is just really inter- interesting. He writes, in Numbers 13, for example, the spies sent by Moses described the Holy Land as a country of daunting cities and giant people. Well, actually, the city during the Middle Bronze, Late Bronze Age, pretty big. Middle Bronze Age was huge. So it makes sense that as they were coming through and early into the Late, into the late Bronze Age that they saw massive cities. Yes, we haven't found proof of massive people yet, or bigger people at least. Um, but the massive cities themselves, they've been discovered. These traditions mainly serve to aggrandize the glory of God and the Israelites for their victory and to create clear chronological distinction between the time before and after the conquest, says Roma, who did not take part in the research at Gath. It's interesting that in the post-conquest stories, the giants who have survived Joshua's onslaught are confined to the lands of the Philistines, and this may well or may indeed be linked to the magnitude of the sophistication of that culture. That is interesting, isn't it? That, you know, it is just linked to the, the Bible talks about them just coming from the Philistine territories. Um, Roma then tells Haaretz, Haaretz, we always have to be very cautious in our interpretation, but this can be related to the size of the Philistine cities like Gath and to this very impressive civilization that the Hebrews were familiar with. When you're confronted with such large structures, you need to explain them. So why not to, why not giants? I've just got a couple more quotes, and then we'll just discuss what they're talking about. It says this, Only a small section of the Iron Age city at Gath have been uncovered so far. Mayor's team uh, aim to dig up more over the coming years. One question they hope to answer is how, old, is how old that town actually is, and whether it goes back to the early 12th century BCE when the Philistine cultures first coalesced on the coastal plain. And so, yeah, they're going to undercover when it was first built. That's awesome. Another mystery is why the Philistines decided to abandon their swanky city from the early Iron Age and build another. Very good question. Why did they do that? Slightly more, uh, another slightly more modest settlement on top of it, while also changing the entire urban grid. The Iron 2A buildings align with cardinal points, while the older city has a 45-degree tilt. This massive restructuring does not mean that the city was conquered or destroyed. You get that? This is just what's great about this. It doesn't seem there's a destruction between the decision to rebuild the city or modify the city. But you look at the Bible. I think I have the scripture right here. Let's just pull it up. And so this Iron 2A city is late late 10th century. Who lived late 10th century? It was over this territory, King Rehoboam. At least that's what the Bible says. And what does the Bible say that he did? 2 Chronicles chapter 11 and verse 5 to, 5 to 12. So this is around 9.30, something like that. Again, the exact time that matches up with when this Iron 2A city, the city that cancels the, 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 the uh, Goliath city, the David city. This is what the Bible says, Second Chronicles 11, verse 5 to 12. And Rehoboam dwelt in Jerusalem and built cities for defense in Judah. He built Bethlehem and Atam and Tekoa and Bethsur and, and Shocho and Abdullam and Gath. 
He also built Gath, and he fortified the strongholds, and put captains in them, and store victuals of oil and wine. And every every several city, uh, he put sword, shields and spears, and made them exceedingly strong, having Judah and Benjamin on his side. And so he built up. The Bible says he builds up this city. Why does he do it? Well, he wants to fortify it. Um, it doesn't talk about why he didn't use the original city that was there, but nevertheless, we have a, a story in the Bible which talks about how there was big construction that took place in the late 10th century by Rehoboam, and that's what you have here. Again, I haven't seen the evidence, and so I might be totally wrong, but it seems from the reporting that's what you have. And then they changed the orientation, which is amazing. This is like perfect on an archaeological site. We have it on the OFL. Um, where they all of a sudden, for some reason, there is a change in the orientation of the walls, and so it's, it makes it easier to determine what's of the what's older and what's newer, because one orientation match the walls are perpendicular of one period, and then you get a completely different orientation of the structures. In this case, by forty-five degrees, which is about the same as we have on the Earth fell when you when you get back to the Iron Age from later periods, there's a forty-five degree uh, change in the orientation, and so they can tell the earlier city from the later city, even though there was no destruction. Then it says this, the book of Chronicles does say that David eventually sees this some sometime enemy, sometime Ali Gath, Ally Gath, and that Solomon's son Rehoboam fortified it. But this biblical text is believed by scholars to have been written much later, perhaps in the 5th or 4th century. So those details may be of an aggrandizement of ancient Israel, then an historical account. I love it. He just says that the evidence seems the evidence here looks like there was a change at the end of the 10th century in the in the city. And then the Bible does say that there that that happened. But then the Bible itself, that was written hundreds of years after these events. And so how would they know? Or you could just say, man, we say that these these events were written in the Bible down 100 years after the fact, and yet they match up so well with what has been discovered. That's what they could write, but they don't. Archaeologically, the brief Judaic occupation happened centuries after David's time. And there's no evidence that the massive early Iron Age city was destroyed or that Gath was anything but a powerful and prosperous Philistine city town until it was raised by the Arameans. Again, the Bible doesn't say that David destroyed it. The Bible says David took it over and he gathered those cities of, of the Philistines and he put some people in them to make sure the people didn't rebel. And the Rehoboam comes along, not after it's destroyed, and he does, um, he changed the he builds it up. I would say the evidence matches quite well what the Bible says. Then it says this, quote, So we don't still don't know a lot about why a new city was built on top of the old one with a different orientation for the buildings. One thing is certain, we are slowly waking, awakening a sleeping giant. That's a pretty cool quote at the end. <laughs> I like that. Yes, they are. They're awakening a sleeping giant. But the evidence so far from Gath, it does match from my ignorant perspective, just reading what the Bible says and, and putting together an, an article here that was endorsed by the excavator there, it seems to match up quite well. But it just this, this point about the giant seems odd to me because they're writing about how, you know, somebody somebody from the t from far later, from a time uh, far later, must have been looking around seeing these huge stones and the earliest period that could have been written was the kingdom of Josiah. So he's like 500 years after the time, 450, 500 years after the time of, of David and Goliath. 
and he's 400 years removed from this ancient city. There's already another city that's come and gone. In fact, the only city that these people from Josiah's time would have been able to see was the city that was destroyed by the, Arame by the Arameans. And so the city that they're going to be seeing to concoct this mythical history from earlier isn't even the city that Goliath was at. There was at the smaller, they were looking at the smaller Iron Age city. So those stones weren't big. And so, okay, you might say the Bible was written in the 7th century, but those myths or the, the stories of how big the original Goliath city uh, was, they were passed down quite faithfully for generations because uh, for 300 years previous to Josiah, they hadn't seen those massive stones. They were under the ground. Maybe, though, maybe the Bible was written when it was purport to, said to have been written, and maybe it wasn't based on mythical tradition. Maybe it's actual history. I'm not saying there were never edits that were made. I'm not saying that there wasn't refinement to the story to help it make sense to the people that were reading it at that day. There was the ability to do that. There, within the law, within the bounds of the law, books are updated every day so the people reading them today can understand what was read or how it was written 200 years ago. That happens. But the stories themselves, let's give them a little bit more credit. Innocent until, until proven guilty uh, seems the best, the best formula to go forward. And up till now, there's no guilt that needs to be associated with it, especially not for the city of Gath, as is being uncovered right now. That's all we have time for on today's program. Thanks very much for sticking with me to the 50-minute mark. If you'd like to read this uh, article, I suggest you do. It's entitled Goliath's True Hometown Found, Lost 3,000-Year-Old Philistine City and Emerges Beneath Gath. That's uh, It might be behind a paywall. Sometimes you can get through to Haaretz articles or sometimes you can't. So I'll also leave a link to Amanda Borshall Dan's article, Colossal Ancient Structures Found at Gath May Explain Origin of Story of Goliath. Going there with the title in that, uh, going with that notion in the title. This article does is not behind a paywall and does have pictures that you can get to, so you can see the very some of the tops of these 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 walls and such. Again, all of it hasn't been excavated just yet. Thanks for listening to the show once again. If you'd like to send some feedback, please do write your emails to letters at watchjerusalem.co.il, and I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>